Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm Dennis Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find her at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. It's sunny outside. I got some new plants the other day, so that's very exciting. Oh, what kind of plants did you get? I just got, like, a, a couple pothos, and I got, like, a... It's, like, called a snake fern. So. A snake plant? Yeah. Is it, like, a pointy stick? Yeah. Kind of like a thing? Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Just replacing a few ones that were dead over the winter. Mm. So. Good for you. Yeah. It's spring. Yes, it is spring. Spring has sprung. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're watching a show that mostly takes place during the fall winter, which is kind of <laughs> It's kind of interesting. And there must have been a break between this episode and then the next episode, because it seems like Christmas may have happened or something, because it seems like between this episode and the next one, there's like a block of time. That passes. Yeah. There's always weird chunks of time in the show because like, Yeah. I've noticed that Gilmore Girls largely doesn't show much of summer. And you'll notice it's like they'll be like No. Oh, we're gonna go to Europe for the summer. They just like have like two episodes where they're in Europe and then they're back and that's quote unquote summer. Or the the breaks between shows would take place during like for the breaks for the the show, the breaks and the characters would be during the summer. So yeah, it's just a little bizarre like that where the show just kind of never seems to want to show summer for some reason, but winter fall is totally cool. But is that because it shows on hiatus back then? Because it used to be like... Yeah, because like shows would take breaks, so I guess it would make sense if a show comes back, you could like center it around fall. Also too, like Rory is going to school, and like a big part of her story is going to school, so it wouldn't make sense to like, you're not going to have it take place during the summer, even though her life does go on during the summer too. Mm -hmm. And shows used to have a very kind of that schedule of fall season, a break, summer, you know, spring season, a break. You know, there used to be times where you just didn't have new shows at all. Like, it was all reruns. Yeah. Yeah, we're here to and talk. Now it's like, it's a little different thing. But yeah, so we're going to talk about this. Yeah. We're here to talk about <laughs> this like... slipping up bread dig, which is season Did... six of Sipton. Did they say that in the show? I don't think so. Okay. All I know about this episode is I was in a blind rage because Zach was being, like, the most pathetic piece of shit, and I was, like, really angry with him in this episode. Like, I, I, I know a lot of people don't like Zach. That's probably not that uncommon, but this episode is the episode where you really don't like Zach. Like, borderline, like, yeah. blind hatred, because he is just so incredibly yeah. stupid and obnoxious oh. and ignorant. Um, right. Yeah. So, Zach's just awful. And he gets worse in the next episode. He does... I argue this episode's worse just because, like, when you see why he gets so upset, it's, like, because Brian made a song called Lane, and he's like, and he gets extremely jealous, even though, like, Brian is, like, just a friend, and he was clearly inspired to write a, a great song, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? And they just sabotages everything in a night that would have been a great show for them otherwise, right. just because of his blind jealousy, so. Right, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the psych part but you know she states a valid concern and he just kind of goes off yeah and so uh, we'll talk about the toxicity of that yeah oh and if you ever want to see what happens when people have issues and they don't communicate properly here you go yeah. <laughs> oh by the way how's the weather your way i, I don't know if i asked it's beautiful it's 81 the last couple of days have been gorgeous nice. uh well it's 53 degrees fahrenheit which is Oh, around 12 right. degrees Celsius, and it's sunny outside, so. Warm it up. Yeah. 
but yeah. Uh, let's see, what is this episode even about? Uh, well, Lorelai and Rory celebrate Thanksgiving. Christopher shows up again, which is everyone's least favorite character. Yeah, this, this episode is, like, for least favorite performance, there's a lot of great ones, because there's just, there's a lot of people in this I just don't like, so. Um, this episode my nightmare last night. I think Christopher just, did I even watch last night the night before? This episode, I think that, that it gave me an anxiety dream about next. Oh. <laughs> like, I just put that together, I'm like, why did I have this random dream about next? And I think yeah. it's because, I think it's because Christopher, like, just kind of, he's just so toxic. He is. <laughs> and, yeah, so Christopher's back, and a family member's died and gave him a lot of money, which I'm like, uh, the, a person like Christopher with a ton of money is even worse than Christopher without a lot of money, but. Right. Um, yeah, and to be fair, he does say that he wants to try to make it up to Lorelai and Rory, uh, which I'm not fully convinced, but, uh, yeah, he basically says that he wants to buy them whatever they want and offers all these different things, and Lorelai's like, nope, I'm okay, and then Lorelai, or Rory says, like, well, why doesn't he pay for Yale, because she doesn't want to be attached to Emily and Richard anymore, because they were the ones that originally paid for the school. And uh, Laura Wives like, yeah, this is a good idea. What did you think of that when they were saying that? Like, were you like, uh, this is a good idea? Or you're like, yeah, no. I'm like, why not? Why not have him pay for it? Because he has been so just not present in her life. Yeah. But I knew that he's going to screw this up somehow and she's not going to get the money. That was my immediate feeling because we've seen Christopher's ability to not take responsibility. He does it in a spectacularly you know, bad way of taking responsibility for things. And just the glee he had about his grandfather dying, or was with his father, yeah. um, he almost got kind of manic when he was talking about the money. Yeah. Um, you know, he his way of showing affection is throwing money at it when Rory really needed just someone to be there. Like, he didn't even show up for her her college or high school, or her high school graduation. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even there. Yeah. You know, so it's, sure, why not get the money from him? Yeah. I, in a way, I think it's a little bit better because, like, Emily and Richard wouldn't come with strings, presumably. Mm-hmm. You know, where Emily and Richard are, like, the money comes with a stipulation. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the stipulation is, is that they just deal with Christopher. Like, they don't right. want to deal with him. He just wants to get, improve relations. So in some ways, the lack of that is a little bit better, but I don't think it's necessarily great either because it's like, I don't know. Maybe in some ways Christopher not being in their lives is better than him being in it, just based mm-hmm. on what we've seen countless times already. Because he's crazy chaos. Yeah. Yeah. He, he and I would say, though, that, that Lorelai's enables some of the chaos, too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but that was my... I'm like, I don't like either. I feel like it's a little bit better with Christopher because he'll just give the money and, mm-hmm. and leave it. But he's he's going to disappear something like that. But he's still going to be in their lives, and we already know what that represents usually so yeah now the last time we saw him was when he acted out at the social function right where yes. he was drunk and so why wouldn't Lorelai just talk to him on the phone why would she need him somewhere so I think that's part of the issue is that he's like oh I got good news why call him and say well what is it I think Lorelai always constantly sort of like in her mind she's kind of nostalgic for Christopher at least like how he was like during their high school years like she seems exist. Yeah, like she seems to kind of think like, oh, he'll be different this time, and mm-hmm. like we know he won't be. But 
in her mind, she kind of romanticizes him a little bit. But I think she also comes to the realization that that's not going to happen, but then she lapses and does it again, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so that was the main subplot. Uh, but then you also got Luke dealing with the new person in his life, which is April. Uh, what that means with his relationship with Lorelai. Which I'm just like, uh, it's just frustrating because I'm like, you literally gave her crap for keeping secrets, and now you're keeping a secret. Well, okay, I would say that not disclosing to him that he has a child is a pretty huge one. Yeah. So I don't know if theirs are exactly equal yet, but the fact that she was trying to justify why she didn't tell Luke. Oh, no, I'm more taking numbers with the fact that Luke didn't tell Lorelai. Yeah. I think at the end of the next episode, it looks like he's about to. But, yeah. 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 Um, you know, it, it's not like... I, I feel like she would accept it, and I think she would be okay with it. Because it's not like this happened while they were in a monogamous relationship, right? So, um, it's... Well, she is going to be upset about it, and he helped her. Yeah. And then he decides that, oh, it's a great idea to trust Liz with this information, because, you know, she's really good at, you know, keeping confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, why did you share with her, of all people? Yeah. But at least we didn't have to deal with her husband in this episode. That's What's true. His TJ? Yeah. Classic TJ. We sure have had any spares from TJ, so which we can be thankful. We, we just, you know, I think TJ works well in small doses, but when you have too much of them, you're like, please stop. Like, this is too much. I think we reached our, like, maximum when he was doing the house renovation stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good, like, in, like, like, a couple minute increments. Like, I don't mind TJ in season four of the show. Like, mm-hmm. when TJ's just a small little bit character that shows up in a few scenes, the biggest he's got is when they get married. That's perfect. But then it's like they upgraded him to, I don't think he was a series regular. Yeah. I think he was always still a guest star. But he just showed up a lot more frequently in season five and in season six. So I think that's where I'm like, uh, you guys probably thought that he was going to be a great addition to the show and not really. Mm-hmm. He, he worked better in season four when you just had him in small little increments. Not just where, like a wacky comic relief, yeah. Yeah, not where he had like an entire episode dedicated to him. Or, well, a lot right. of episodes dedicated to him. Like, he's not Kirk who has like more lasting appeal. Like, Kirk is quirky, but you like Kirk. You don't necessarily like TJ right. in the same way. Because Kirk, you get to feel like Kirk's smart. Yeah. Like, he does some wacky stuff and he's smart. And he's also got this kind of interesting dark side to him. Yeah. So, like, trying to outbid Luke for the house. Um, yeah. So, he's interesting. TJ is not so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Um, Alright. And then, uh, Lower Library, uh, kind of, they do, like, a Thanksgiving at the Dragonfly. Um, and that's when Rory finds out that Logan apparently didn't treat their their time apart as being a break but as an actual breakup as he tells his sister, his sister yeah which i mean i understand where rory's coming from in this because she's a little upset because she's like mm-hmm. literally we were on different pages about this and mm-hmm. yeah so man how much time has passed do you think from when the incident in the restaurant happened between them and now like a few weeks yeah, was, I, in my mind, it's like been three weeks to a month or something like that. I mean, it's already been long enough that you go, okay, maybe this is over because nobody's talked to each other. Yeah. And then 
of course, we've got the big band performance, uh, which again, I kind of touched on a little bit in the beginning of this episode. But yeah, uh, Lane basically tolerates Zach's jealousy, uh, which is just incredibly stupid. Just everything Zach did in this episode was just frustrating to no other, like, to no end. It's just like, how can you just be so stupid? He almost became cartoonish. But that does yeah. me see people in relationships like this, where the person just gets so... They become a caricature of themselves because they just get so obnoxious. Here's where I think things went wrong with this. It's This is a pretty big episode for Lane and Zach, but this was written by Daniel Palladino, who doesn't have like the most in-depth understanding of these characters. Like, I think him handling this episode and handling Zach's thing, like... I think if Amy Sherman Palladino was writing it, it would have been a little bit more nuanced, a little bit better. Right, was... salty. Right. Yeah, but instead you got Daniel, who just writes Zach like a sledgehammer battering yeah, on the it. wall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he writes like a Family Guy style. Isn't he a writer on Family Guy? Yeah, he is. She's yeah. He was. I don't think he writes anymore, but yeah, he was for quite a while. Um, but you can see, like, shades of that, right? That yeah. Zach has written as just like this, just 100% jerk. Yeah. Like there's no middle ground. in a lot of ways. And I just, I don't know, it just lacked a lot of depth to it. Like, he was just being an asshole for being an asshole. I was waiting for a moment where you're going to go, okay, he's just having a rough day or whatever. Or, like, you sympathize with him a little bit, but there's just no sympathy for him. Not right. Really. I thought there was going to be some resolution to his assholery, but no, there was not. Yeah, he pretty much just says, like, oh, this is what happens when people in bands date. Like, pretty much implying that he doesn't want to be with Lane anymore, so. And, I mean, we already had an issue starting with him just randomly taking, like, basically stealing the money from Lane and buying all this equipment. Yeah. So, and he's just completely self-absorbed. Yeah. All right. Well, that's this episode in a nutshell. Uh, who is your favorite, least favorite performance? Uh, best was Brian, because I just think he just seems like just a regular guy, just, you know, I think the way he's played is just a guy trying to do a good job in the band and a good job in life, and yeah. I really like that he made a song about Lane. You can tell, like, it wasn't any kind of romantic interest. No. It's just that why not, and then Zach's got all these reasons why he's naming all these songs after, like, his old girlfriends or something, or other women, and... Mm-hmm. And yeah, why not Brian? So I just find him pretty endearing. And then worst was Liz. I mean, the, the phrase that came to my mind with Liz is that she's willingly helpless. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that she could figure out and seek counsel on how to make a Thanksgiving meal. But instead, she kind of flails around, and it's almost like she's looking for Luke to rescue her. Yeah. And I find that to be really grating. Um, and then Christopher, I mean, we had a, this was like a, a cavalcade of terrible characters. We have Christopher, who just irritates me as existing. Um, and then, and Zach, it's, Zach is like the new Dean. Yeah. Oh, you know, he's worse. Really worse because he's Dean worse. at least had some level of death to him. Zach is not. Zach's mm-hmm. just yeah. oafish. Ugh. Um, I, I, it's a tough thing to choose because they're all terrible, but I think I'm going to go with Christopher for worse, mm-hmm. mainly because he took an act of charity and still made it seem awful. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's touch, basically yeah. giving them money, and yet you still feel uncomfortable. You still feel like, ugh. It feels uh, slimy. Yeah. And I shouldn't feel that way. Like, 
I would hope that in I the know. show, I would feel that, like, I would feel a little short. And then you betray that by being like, oh, well, he's unreliable or whatever. But I thought it would have been interesting if the show had portrayed him a little more like, oh, you almost want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, that's what I want to see a little bit more in Christopher as a character is, like, see that side to him that we think Lorelai sees, which is, like, that slight optimism that he's going to do the right thing only to have it pulled up from underneath. But when we get him doing this, it doesn't come across that way. It just comes across like he doesn't, like, he's always squirmy. He's always unreliable. Like, I don't see that positive side to him that Lorelai presumably sees, or Rory in some no. cases, too. Um, that's why, for me, performance-wise, he's the, my least favorite, because I just don't see what Lorelai and Rory see in him. Like, more like Luke, I'm like, just, no, just don't. Mm-hmm. Right, and then when Laura, when Laura walks in to meet him, he's just like, oh, did you want to tell you I'm, like, rich or something? Like, it's very tacky. Yeah. Yeah. And then he plays it was, it was his grandfather, right? So he's like, oh, yeah, you have a good life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I don't know, I just, I, I just don't really like his character. But there's, he's even, for me, more destructive and toxic than Zack. Because yeah, Zack's... potential for damage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, Zack's a terrible person, but... He really just kind of, like, the damage that he deals is not, like, he doesn't deal as much damage to the world around him as, as Chris does. I don't know. It's very close. Right now, his circle of destruction is smaller than Christopher's. Yes. So there's that, too. And then favorite, uh, there's a lot of performances in this that I really like, if I'm being completely honest. I did like Luke, though, because I did feel like you saw his inner turmoil of him, like, trying to figure out how to handle the April situation and how to tell Lorelai. Like, you see that inner struggle. I think he did it relatively well. It's still not, like, the best Luke performance, but it was probably the best one of this episode, in my opinion. Again, this is his first acting job ever. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's playing against Sherilyn Fenn, who, at this point, when the show came out, she had been in in shows and movies since the 80s. I want to say actually that Sherilyn so shows up in the next episode now that I'm looking at the episode. Oh, is it this? Oh, is it that next one? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. He can hold his own in those episodes too, so it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But yeah, Sherilyn shows up in the next episode now that I'm looking okay. at online. He, uh, he's good with Liz too, just that, you know, he loves her, but she also drives him insane. And I think it's that, that you know, you love people beyond reason because they're your family sometimes, but you at the same time, it's kind of like, well, she doesn't listen. And she, and she's looking for someone to rescue her, and she comes with a lot of baggage. Yeah. Um, and he's doing the best he can to try and kind of figure out some type of relationship with him that I'm assuming is, like, okay with his boundaries, but also he wants to be able to help her, because he's had a history of that, right? Like, yeah. Liz told Lorelai talking about all the things that Luke has done for her. Like, he's rescued her. So mm-hmm. that's got to be a hard line to walk through trying to figure out what your boundaries are with somebody. Yeah. Well, another thing, uh, unlike Lorelai, who romanticizes her relationship with Christopher to a degree, I don't think Luke romanticizes his relationship with Liz. Like, he knows what Liz is, and he just, you know, he's very cautious around her, but at the same time, too, you can tell he's also, like, she's family. Like, I can only put so much caution. Like, eventually, you just kind of have to just see what happens and hope for the best. It's kind of the mm-hmm. vibe I get from, from Luke when it comes to her, so... And and we don't really know the whole story about how... Oh, go ahead. She made a thing about melting a turkey, and I'm like, how is that possible? And I've been thinking about it. Like, that, 
Yeah, that's where you get into Kawan territory. Because I'm like, you would burrow turkey, but how do you melt a turkey? Like, did you boil right. it? Like, you like the fire? Yeah, like, I'm like, I was thinking about this, like, for a while after I started, I'm like, how do you melt a turkey? That's, like, like borderline physically of course, turkeys don't have a lot of fat content, right? So it's no. not like you, like, brought it down to rendering fat. Yeah, and it's not like you're, it's, it's just something that you, like, you'll burn it, sure, but you're not going to melt it. It would just be like... Yeah, it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to explain like how little she knows about cooking. I guess. It was, I, I was like, the whole time I'm like, what? I don't know. And I, I don't right. know why I really fixated on that, but I was just like... Because it's, it's a family guy line. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like something somebody would say in family guy? Sounds about right, yeah. That's the writing style. Mm-hmm. And also the lack of subtlety. You know, this is the same writer that said that, that Emily was just a bitch, right? Yeah. So it makes sense that the characters that he writes just are missing that that yeah. human quality. No, hundred percent. Okay. Um, what was your favorite reference this episode? I like the reference about Lenny Kravitz and Nicole Kidman because I think a lot of people don't realize this or may have forgotten, but they were engaged at one point. Yeah. So when the, so when the big Little Lies show came out, and Zoe Kravitz is in it. She was, um, you know, doing a show with her. Like, almost a mother. Yeah. And apparently they're still on good terms. There's an interview about that with her. Um, yeah, but they were... T- I forget how long they were together, but... Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there was a... There's a really good line where Laura Les says, Oh, just bring me what she's happy. That's a line from where mm-hmm. when Harry met Sally. Right. And I'm like, Which is for doing that line in Harry met Sally. Sorry? director so so there's a, a little like kind of tie-in that that in the movie when harry met sally that's rob reiner's mother doing that line and rob reiner directed when harry met sally mm. and um sally struthers who plays the bet was his spouse in the show all the family oh there you go so it all kind of circles around yeah so there you go it's all circling back around but yeah i uh i also do like there's the references where they do like mentioning something but like i don't i like that one because it was a little more subtle but it wasn't very well um okay and what was your favorite quote from this episode i really like the one where liz and luke were talking because you know liz it, it seems like she has kind of reductive solutions for things but you know it's almost like well it might just work so luke is telling her about you know he's he asked her to go for some food or something and the kid didn't want to go. And kind of Liz just says, did you offer cake? Maybe she wanted cake or pie or fudge. And I'm thinking, wow, Liz, you don't get it. But at the same time, I was thinking, she's probably right. Like, if you offer me cake, I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. so I, I thought that, you know, she, on one side you see Liz going, you know, you really don't have it together. On the other side, she's like, you know what, it's so simple, it might work. Yeah. What was yours? Um, there was uh, a scene where Lane says, Hey, do you want to be our DA, Penny Baker? We're borrowing video camera. I need someone somewhere for the photography of the verses. I can set aside my, I can set my crack pipe aside for the night. Do that. And I was like, I think oh, yeah. darkly funny, but I kind of mm-hmm. enjoyed it a little bit. Sometimes words yeah. is some kind of like dark, darkly comedic stuff. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot, but like I'm like, okay, that was, that was a little disturbing, but also kind of funny too. Alexis Without does deadpan pretty well. Yes. Uh, okay, and behind the scenes trivia, let's see what we got, uh, this, uh, episode title, uh, well, we were wondering what the episode title was an allusion to, 
Uh, the episode has a reference to the 2004 documentary Dig featuring the Brian Jonestown Massacre, a band noted for its onstage meltdowns. And apparently, a member of the band, Joel Guillen, actually cameoed in this episode, too. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> he was wait, playing... wait, wait, wait. He was playing. Back up a little bit. There was a documentary about the. Wait, did you say Jonestown Massacre? About a band called the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Oh, I was like, it's a document. Okay, so I thought the documentary was about Jonestown Massacre. No, it's about a band. And uh, one of its members, Joel Gian, guest starred in the episode. He played the tambourine guy. Uh, So that explains tambourine man. Yes. Um, Yeah. Uh, Lorelai mentions that her parents tried to scare her away from having premarital sex by having a priest, a rabbi, and a Mormon missionary team up on her with a lecture. But Mormon missionaries are forbidden to travel with other companions, so it should have been two Mormon missionaries. So. There you go. There you go. Maybe Emily just told her it was to scare her, but it wasn't actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What, do you have anything else for, else for mental health observations? Yeah, I, I think that we really need to look at the toxicity of the relationship between Lane and Zach. Uh, Lane stated a valid concern. You have a right to state what your concerns are. She did it in a mature way. I can't remember exactly how she phrased it. Uh, but she had a concern. And she said, hey, you know, this is my issue. And he responds with, don't be a bummer, but for the big show, it's not cool. And you see her just kind of crumple. And you see her apologize and look at the floor and almost having tears. Because I, I've worked with people that, that are in relationships with, with people that if you state your needs, and I think this also applies to if you have parents that don't meet your needs, uh, you state your needs and you are basically dismissed. And it's very disheartening. And you just see this, like, Lane's a, Lane's a, a bright character. She's, get, she's multifaceted. And you just see her crumble. Yeah. And it's, just, it's so, it's heartbreaking. Um, and you see that Zach just keeps rolling with this really irrational, um, narcissistic behavior. So mm-hmm. I think that, that it's just important to emphasize that you have a right to say what your needs are. If the other person doesn't agree with them or whatever, fine, but you have a right to state them. Your needs are valid. Yeah. That doesn't always mean the person can agree, but, but if you have your partner say to you, you know, don't be a bummer, and just negates them, that's a huge red flag. Because a healthy relationship is about being able to state your needs and the other person hearing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like seeing and be, and be seen. I think I've said that before. It's that you have a right to state what your wants and needs are. 100%. Yeah. And so I'm picturing Lane, you know, if they were still together, that what sometimes happens is you see people like not state their needs as much because they know that there's going to be a blowback to it. And you also see Zach has screwing responsibility, and you can't have a healthy relationship with a person that does not take responsibility for the behavior. It's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. So I think their relationship is pretty toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you think it, this is bad, it gets worse. Oh, great. Yeah. So. But it's good for us to talk about, because I think people in these relationships and because they don't start out like this very rarely does the relationship start out with abuse it's usually love bombing you're told that you're the best thing ever um in lane's case we don't really see love bombing but you know he seemed like he was a jerk but he seemed like he kind of 
maybe was going to be nice to her, but now we see what he really is like. And very rarely do people show themselves like that initially. So it's actually a really good example of we didn't see this level of assholery until now. Mm-hmm. We've seen pieces of it, but this is where it went full tilt. Yeah. I also just think, too, Zach, is, Zach was never, like, a character that most people rooted for. Like, mm-hmm. um, he's just gotten kind of progressively worse. So yeah, I mean, they didn't I, really work at making him likable. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's never really been good and got worse. He just was worse and got even worse. So, yeah. Yeah. But. And also, this is Flame's first relationship, too. Well, no, it's actually Dave was the first one. But this is her first, like, relationship where she's living with somebody. Like, it's a different level of commitment. And, yeah. and so you can see, like, I think with time, sometimes you... Once you date more people, you get an idea more of what you're looking for what you, and what's a red flag. Um, and you start seeing patterns of behavior in people. But I can see, too, where, you know, she's she doesn't have a lot of experience in relationships. Mm-hmm. And... But you would think also that internal piece of her that says this is not okay would kick in. But that does hurt people. That internal sense of this is not okay kicks in. But at that point, it's tricky because, you know, Zach, just like most people, is not 100% bad. He's, yeah. He probably has some times where he's sweet to her. And that's, what's, that's what keeps people in these types of relationships is that, that cycle of toxicity, that, that um, trauma bonding, that mm-hmm. he gets abusive that are doing okay, then it gets abusive, and that cycle, that up and down cycle, can become kind of addictive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what did you give this episode a score of? I think I was seven. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, uh, content aside, <laughs> and the characters, yeah. um, overall, it wasn't too bad. No, seven. What do you okay. say? Um, this has got to be one of the better episodes for me. Um, I think it's just because like I really resent Zach and I just don't like how he sabotages their gig and something they've been working on for months and it's their dream uh, and then I think just knowing where that character is headed um, it's it makes it even worse so I'm giving this 3 out of 10 I don't like this episode wow this is your lowest one I think uh, it's definitely in the pits for sure um, now, how much did not having Richard Emily in this episode impact your score too I mean, it probably would have meant less Zach, so probably would have mm-hmm. would have improved this. <laughs> so actually, Richard Emily is just. They have gone back deep, and I would have been happier. Like. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But instead, we get two characters that I really just don't like, which is Zach and Christopher, and they both. So you would rather have melted turkey than have another episode with Zach in it. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this might be one of our biggest differences in opinions too, because most times we we're pretty close in scores, but not this time. That's okay. You know, I, I really wish, I think this has happened before, but Lorelei says funner as a word, and that's just a pet peeve of mine, because it's more fun and funner is not a word. Yeah. And and so that probably took it down a number for me. Fair. But I, I think just is this is this also where we is Paris and the apartment is this the next episode or is this also in this one? Uh, that's that. the next episode. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I might be kind of blending them together, so maybe it's not fully a seven, um, but I don't know. I think that I think Christopher showing up and more like meeting and talking about the money. I think that was a little bit of a surprising. That's what bumped it up, even though I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just I think watching 
um, Luke interact with Liz and try to navigate that relationship. That was pretty interesting. But, yeah. yeah, so not one of the best episodes. But I totally get what you're saying about season six not being as good as three and four. Unfortunately. So. It sounds like it's going to get worse. So. Yeah, in my opinion, I mean, you may disagree, but we'll find out. Um, no, you've been writing everything, so. Okay, well, that's, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> Steph is over at stephaniecircus.com. Uh, Gaslighting Minister for Broken Talking Brains is our other podcast. And I'm over at 3dreams.com, where we start every other day. We have new content going up. And with that said, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Thanks.